0: You take your book, turn with me to page 38, Psalm 63, 7 will be our focus for this morning. For you have been my help in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. So here, here's, here's, here's what we're after today, what we're, what we're thinking about. I'm, I'm really confronting uh, with this, this message, the false idea that if my soul is satisfied in the Lord, then I'm not going to have trouble in my life. Now, this idea is overt for some people. It's just a clear thought that they think or a belief that they have, or it's underneath the surface. It has a lot to do with what's called prosperity theology and how that has been preached and espoused in the United States. It's, it's a false view of looking at the Scripture it's misguided, it's one-sided, uh, but, but we get this idea in our life that if we've been saved and, and we're finding our satisfaction in the Lord, then, then I shouldn't have trouble in my life. And we can even take it a step further and say, well, I have trouble, then there must be something wrong with God. This can't be real if, if I'm having trouble. So when he says, you have been my help, we're assuming trouble. So I'm going to give you three categories of trouble. The first one is suffering or difficulty because you're a Christian. In 1 Peter 4, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So if you have not yet suffered for your faith, either A, you're not living your faith, or B, you've not gotten around non-believers very often. Because non-believers are going to lash out at those who are seeking to follow Christ in some shape, fashion, or form. So suffering or difficulty for being a Christian. Number two is temptation or weakness. It's the battle of our flesh. For we Do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to what? Help in time of need. So we're going to need help as it relates to temptation and the battle with our own flesh. So just because you found satisfaction in the Lord, just because you've been saved and redeemed, does not mean that you're not gonna, still going to need help battling your flesh. The third area of difficulty is very broad, and that's just life. You live in a fallen world. You live in a world where sin is all around you, and the effects of that sin still have impact on our life. And I'm not talking about things that we've done. I'm talking about the things others have done that they may do to you, or you're just experiencing the effects of their sin, or just societal in general. We all are facing some form of difficulty just because we live in a sinful world. So here's the first question. Where does David go from help? For you have been my help. So if you read Psalm 63, it's in entirety. It's a God-centered psalm. It's focused not on David, it's focused on the Lord God. So when he says you, he's saying you, the Lord God, have been my help. So this is a past testimony with a future idea. You've been my help in the past. He's in a difficult place right here, and he's asking God to be his help here. So look in the next page, Psalm 121, verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills, and where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. All right. It's getting a little old now, but how many of you have seen the Lord of the Rings movies? Okay, some of you. So there's this battle scene, and they're getting beat, and finally, the army comes over the top of the hill and saves the day and helps them. All right. So the image here is a war image that that you're in battle and you need help because you're losing, and you're looking to the hills that your help, that somebody's going to come and help bail you out of this battle. Some people misinterpret what's being said here, that, that, that the Lord's going to come over the hills. That's not what it's being said. Here's, here's what the psalmist is saying to himself. Nobody's coming. There's nobody coming over the hills. My help's not coming from somebody else. And this is really crucial in our lives. That we're not looking to someone else. We're looking to the Lord. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This all-powerful, glorious God that we reflected on the thought on earlier in the week. So I'm looking to God. My help comes from him. So this needs, begs the question, where do I go for help? It used to be a TV show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?, uh, and people would get in a pickle and didn't know the answer, and they had three options. you ever seen this show? It had three options. You remember what they were? Phone a friend, 50-50, or ask the audience. That kind of sums up the way we go when we need help. We narrow it down to the lesser of two evils. We kind of do 50-50 and say, okay, well, I'm just going to risk with this one. We ask the audience, we're just looking at what would the world do here? How would the world handle this? How, how, how does everybody else handling this? Or we're going to phone a friend. We're going we're to look to somebody to, to tell us what to do or to be for us what we need. Now, I don't want to belittle the fact that we all need friends and we all need Christian friends and we need people who are closer than a brother or sister in the time of need for us but we must never look to our friends or family to be what only God is. Our primary place to go for help is to the Lord. Psalm 40, 17. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. This is a bold prayer. Do not delay, oh my God. How can he that boldly pray that to God? Because he knows that God is his help and his deliverer. If you got your Bible, I want you to look into the last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 3 for a moment. Revelation chapter 3. So the antithesis of being satisfied in the Lord would be, or the opposite of being satisfied in the Lord, would to be indifferent and just not care. So, So... So watch the progression here in Revelation 3, verse 15. He's talking to the church at Laodicea. I know your works, you're neither hot nor cold, whether you're either cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So these are people who are not satisfied in the Lord. They're lukewarm. They really don't care. They're indifferent to the things of God. Now listen to the indictment that Jesus gives to these people. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not knowing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, I just want you to compare what I just read with Psalm 40, 17. As for me, I am what? Poor and needy. Okay, I'm, I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to the way I've raised my family. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the place I live, the world I live in. Uh, It is so easy for us to think we have everything we need. If I were to walk up to the average person Sunday morning at Parkwood and say, hey, is there any way I could help you? This would be the number one answer I'd get. Now, I'm not talking about on the street. I'm talking about at Parkwood. Is there any way I could help you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Now, I can walk up to people that I know their life is a wreck and say, is there any way I could help you? And still half of them will look at me and go, I'm fine. We, we have got to come to the place in our life to where we understand that we are poor and needy and that we express that to God and that we recognize he is our help and our deliverer, and we come to him begging that he will not delay. Now, when he goes to the Lord for help, the next question is, what does he receive from the Lord when he goes to the Lord in help? There's two things. Secure confidence. He says, for you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. This is a word picture. Uh, Most of you have never been around a farm at all. But if a, if a hen has little baby chicks, and those chicks get scared like a loud noise, a hawk fly over, she'll throw her wings out to the ground, and immediately when she does that, it alarms the chicks and they'll run up underneath her. It's a place of safety. Now for us as human beings, when we were children, and some of us still do this today, is we get afraid, we want to go to our mother's arms or to our dad, or we want to hide up close. My kids would grab me by my pants. That was a secure feeling for them. They'd, you know, I'm, I'm a tall guy, it was hard. And I remember one time, Anna, we were in a public place, and she walks up to this other guy and grabs, and then she looks up and realizes it's not me. And she panicked. I think, I think some of you got to hold the wrong pants. And there needs to be some panic. That that the secure confidence is in the Lord. It's not in just anybody, it's in the Lord God Almighty. Psalm 17, as the weed eater goes by. How many of you noticed the weed eater? My ADD friends. I call upon you for you will answer me. I'd underline that. You will answer me. Incline Oh God, you will incline your ear to me, hear my words, wondrously show your steadfast love. So this is, this is something miraculous, bountiful. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. So the right hand of God is the powerful uh, image of who God is. Keep me as the apple of your eye. That means that, that God sets his affection on his people. He's not just indifferently helping. He's individually, personally helping. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. Now, if you watch a child, there's some little kids at camp. If you watch, if they ever get afraid, or if, you have, if you're around little kids, they get afraid. They run up into their parents' arms. At first, they're scared to death. They're clinging. They're looking around. Maybe they're crying. But if you watch them long enough, then they'll come this peace. And there can be something that scared the child that shouldn't have scared them to start with. So, like a dog being, uh, being around a dog for the first time. They're scared and then they realize, hey, this, this could be fun. But they're still holding on to their parents. Then they start to smile and reach out and touch and giggle and laugh. The safety is in the arms of the Lord. But the outcome of being in the shadow of his wings is joy. And it's not just joy, it's joyful rest. In the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. I will sing for joy. Turn to page Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Some of you have heard some of my story but uh, I, I want to I briefly share a little bit about my life. When I was 17 years old, on February the 23rd of my junior year of high school, my best friend committed suicide. Uh, at that period of my life, I was chasing hard after the world. I, I had... Heard the gospel in in middle school, and and I believe converted, but had never been discipled and didn't know, I just didn't know how to follow the Lord. Nobody had ever taught me. I didn't know how to read the Bible, and I bought the lie of the world and got caught up with, with, with a group of friends, and this guy was actually the ringleader. Prior to the day he took his life, I would have said, he is the funnest human being I'd ever met. He would do anything. Anything. Now I understand why he would do anything. He he took his life, and and I spiraled into. I just spiraled. And now when I read Psalm forty, I I, I can identify. I, I was in a pit. It's literally a pit of noise. It it, it was a dangerous place. And. I wrote in a journal these words one day with a lot of other foul stuff. At the end, I wrote this. Lord, help me. And he did. He took me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock. And he put a song in my mouth that I would have never believed could be there, ever. He radically changed my life. And I can testify that many have seen and feared and put their trust in the Lord. Because that song that he's put in my heart, I've continued to sing. And I realize this, my life could have went either way right there. That was a very critical, pivotal point in my life. That he is my help and he has been my help. So here's my question to you. What is in my heart and on my lips? Two comparison verses here. Psalm 14, 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in their heart, there is no God. Here's the outcome. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There's none who does good. Psalm 13, 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, I have not had a trouble-free life. I'll just narrow it down. I have not had a trouble-free week. I'll get even more narrow. I have not had a trouble-free morning. But I can testify that Psalm 13 is true that I have trusted in the steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And here's what I know. He will deal bountifully with me. Now, I, I, I'm going to do something that I, I don't want to, to create any embarrassment whatsoever. Uh, but but, uh, but I, I want us to have a, a moment of... of Kindness to each other and a kind a moment of, of prayer for one another. Um, I only know some, but I know there are a lot of you who need help in this room. Help. And it's different. different for a lot of you I'm not going to illustrate why I know some of you would need help or why I think some of you would need help but there are a lot of you who do and God is your help and we must come to him and cry out for help and and as the body of Christ We must hurt and care for each other. We're not to attack one another, and 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 I don't know why human beings can be like. I don't know. This is a stark image. Any any of you ever been around like, or I you know when I grew up, you didn't have leash laws and all this, so you probably never seen anything like this. But if a dog got hit by a car and it didn't kill it. Do you know what the other dogs will do to it? Anybody know? Huh? I didn't hear what you said. No. They'll attack it to try to kill it. It's it's a frightening sight to see. It's It's the pack mentality, I guess. I don't know. But human beings do the same thing. And why would we do that as the church? Somebody among us is wounded and we attack them? We berate them? What? Who among you wants to be treated like that? This ought to be, this student ministry ought to be the safest place in Gaston County. It ought not to be a place where people are attacking each other and mistreating each other. So, a couple of things. If you've mistreated somebody this week, I want you to seek forgiveness. That's going to take courage on their part. You can't demand forgiveness, those of you who have been hurt. Can't demand it. But you need to seek it. Secondly, those of you who need help, I want to ask you to admit that right now, not verbally, just by standing up, because we're going to pray for you. I'm going to, and it's going to take a little courage to do it, so who needs help? Thank you. So here's here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Now some of you are just privately standing, nobody knows why you're standing up. First thing I want to do, if you think you know why that person needs help, I want you to move to them right now. Don't say anything. I want you to say anything. If you know, I want you to move toward them. Now, don't leave anybody standing by themselves nobody don't leave anyone standing alone it took courage to stand up to their feet now i'm not trying to create emotion i am against camp creating emotion but there are times when emotion is valid and this is one of those times let's pray Lord you know the need of every person who rose to their feet some of them need help because of what they've done to themselves and the own personal destruction they have brought and I pray that as they confess their need for help if they have not already they will repent right now and cry out in repentance and seek your forgiveness and receive it through Jesus Christ There are people here who need help because of things that are going on in their mind, in their heart, or in their body. Heal them, God. Give them trust in you. May they look to you as the only source of what they need, but may they also be willing to receive the kindness and compassion of brothers and sisters. And God, I plead for those who are standing because of things outside of their control. Things being done around them or to them that they cannot do anything about. Help them. Help them, God, to move through this moment. We're asking you would change it, but if it does not change, God, give them the strength and courage to walk through it. Now, Lord, I plead for every person. There's not a person in this room who's not facing temptation and they need help. Help them, God. Tonight, as we take up the last subject, help us to understand the crucial nature of our soul clinging to you. And Lord, for those who are facing persecution or who are about to, particularly these young people going off to college, give them courage and strength to face that by the power of the Spirit. Lord, all of us are facing life So give us what we need for life and godliness and we'll trust you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said. We'll stay standing this thing.